Hi, this is Doug Jones, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. I know! Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess, and we will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Welcome to yet another edition of Area 51's recording of Sci-Fi Saturday Night, the only podcast to guarantee if you listen, you hear stuff. Uh, If you're not listening, you don't hear stuff. That's the rules of the game. This week, it's episode 444. For those of you not paying attention, that was episode 444. If you were paying attention, it's still episode 444. Uh. Tonight we expect, if in fact you're listening to it tonight, we expect to return to a place that we've been to before. If you weren't paying attention to it before, pay attention now. It'll be fun. And then you can go back and pay attention to the other stuff you were listening to that you should have been listening to before. So let's see how that works out. Uh, We are, of course, still in the Pandemonium Pandemic show uh, because of the need for social distancing and the clogging of the intertubes. Uh, and the world is in the World Wide Web. Uh, it's a difficult place to get a solid signal. Uh, we're using a paired back cast, hoping for the best and uh, taping whenever possible. So in this Area 1 broadcast facility tonight, it's just me, uh, Captain Cam, and his collection of Mary Tyler Moore memorabilia. How are you, Captain Cam? I'm watching uh, back episodes of the Dick Van Dyke show. Classic. Oh, Rob. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um, every once in a while, we, we talk to people we don't know. Sometimes we talk to people we've heard of. And then every once in a great while, we talk to people who spent so much time on the show. They're kind of like... Uh, well, for lack of a better term, con family. These are people that we meet every year at conventions. These are people who've been on the show so many times. Uh, we know their families. They know our families. Uh, we're friends outside the show. Uh, we meet and 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 have uh, meals together and break bread together and talk about dogs and stuff and and and, and do stuff. And it tonight, it's it's one of them kind of guys. It's 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 my buddy. It's my friend. It's 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 Jay Morris. Hey Jay, how are you, my friend? Hey guys, how's it going? Great intro. <laughs> it was well know. planned out, don't are you, you think? Watching back-to-back Dick Van Dyke sidestepping the hassock or tripping? No, over? I'm watching him trip and 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 hurt his lower lumbar every single yeah. time. Yep. Okay. Those are the those are the best ones. <laughs> That's how you know it's a good episode. Absolutely. Yeah, the ones where he hurts himself. Actually, see, he's the one who's who's the Dick Van Dyke show. 
I'm I, I'm the one who really likes the Bob Newhart show, but I can't ever really decide which one of the the Newhart shows that I liked, the one where you can play Hi Bob uh, as the drinking game, or you can pretend where he's living in Vermont, but it's not really the same guy, but it is really the same guy. Uh, so it gets really confusing for me a lot. With the hi, Bob, you probably only get about five minutes into the episode before you don't remember any of it. You don't really, <laughs> exactly, 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 exactly. Uh, we, we haven't actually seen each other since Vermont Comic Con, like, when we when we closed it down. No, last no, year. we saw each other at Plastic City last year. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we did. That was a weird one too, because I was upstairs, you were downstairs. Yeah, you and, were looking and, over us like the the overlord of conventions that you are. Was the great and merciful Oz? <laughs> oh, my dog. Exactly, and. Uh, Yes, since then, the world's gotten a bit weird. Has it not? It has. Um, the world itself is a bit weird, but uh, I've kind of taken the mentality, people need to look at their own life and kind of see, you know, things aren't totally crazy in your own life. I mean, yeah, there's social distancing and, and there's masks and there's political unrest and there's Everything in the world, people flinging mud at everybody. There's so much antagonism going on all over the place in every direction. But Can we but, just all just stop being stupid? Would that, like, help a lot? I think if people just stopped hate... I think there's, there's so much hate in every direction, and that's the problem. And it's amplified yeah, I, by social media. But this isn't that kind of a podcast. We don't want to start getting into doom and gloom. No, we <laughs> I don't. Just think I people just... just need to relax and really look at their own lives and and, and, and realize you, know, you still stupid. got the people. You still just got stop being life. jerks. That's all. You guys don't want to hear my apocalypse theories? Oh, okay. Fine. I'm pretty away. sure we don't because I think we have her on next week, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly, yes, I think so. Yeah. Oh, you have you have Ms. Apocalypse Theory on next week. That's right. We have, yes. we have Apocalypse. Yeah, and 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 uh, yeah, absolutely, we do. <laughs> so no, we're not going to do that today. Today we're going to talk about uh, a, a project that, damn, someday you're going to finish, maybe. I have two issues left. Oh, see, now, see, see I, I I I was joking. Oh. I was joking by saying this is a project this son of a bitch isn't ever going to finish. No, it it really isn't because what happens finish. is I I finish this set of ten and then I start the next season. Oh, okay. Then now I'm okay with this. Uh, <laughs> what we're talking about is like in God, when was this? Twenty fourteen. That's issue, when you were first exposed. No, issue number one of Autumn Gray number one was published. Was it 14? It might have been 14. Yes. Yeah. It was 20. I have it right <laughs> in front of me. And I'm it has the date the right inside the cover. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, we talked about this like right before it came out. And I went, you have invented a world. And it's this wonderful little world. That's kind of interesting with these kind of really weird uh, 
places and people and things. And this doesn't feel like a one shot. And knowing you and the people you were working with at the time had the feeling it wasn't going to be a one shot. And here we are. Uh, six years later. Mm-hmm. We're on number eight. Yep. And let's talk about the world of Autumn Gray and how it's changed over the past six years. Okay. Um, I guess I will start by saying Autumn Gray number one, the one in your hand there, was yes. actually the first comic I ever did. I had never been to a Comic Con. I didn't even collect comic books. The only comics I collected were Garfield, Calvin and Hobbes, Farside, you know, comic strips. Um, so I wasn't even in the comic world when I started that. You were just an artist. You, you I, were- I, I did children's books, portraits, and that kind of stuff, but I hadn't, hadn't really done comics. So it was actually my first step into the world that I am now in. How did you invent this world? Where did this world come from for you? Well, the world is basically, the the concept is that there's been fairies and monsters hiding in our world. They used to not hide in our world. They used to, you know, trap people and trick people in the woods. And, you know, in medieval times, they were were part of our life. But um, they've, their policies... From, from their leaders have changed. Uh, they're not allowed to be here anymore. And essentially any that are found here are hunted down and basically executed. Um, so they hide. They don't want anyone finding them. Um, and there's a particular place uh, called Eden Park, which is in the, mountain, the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Um, it's a state park, but it's a place that they've kind of congregated i'm not saying they're all there but it's definitely a a um large collection of them there and they some of them have kind of interacted with people people cautiously um some of them hang out with people and people have no idea that they're fairies or monsters or anything Uh, and other ones just hide in the woods um but that is the basic premise of of the world that this story takes place in it's kind of a 90s era um, because people aren't using cell phones for anything. In fact, people don't have cell phones, which I think if you're running around in the woods and you have a cell phone in your hand and you can talk to people, you kind of lose a lot of that mystery. Right. Um, Plus, I was also thinking of, you know, my childhood. I used to have a uh, family cabin up in the White Mountains. So I were a fairy monster looking for a good place to hide. There's a lot of good places to hide up there. So you drew a little bit on your own background. You drew a little bit on the area and mystery of the White Mountains of New Hampshire, which has its own aura of mystery, as it were. But you also had to invent this whole society of fairies and goblins 
and other worlds. And as as you've worked through this, it's all kind of come come about that things are are colliding between the world we know and the world we suspect we know or we think we know or we fear we know. Right. Um, yeah, essentially what's happening in the story is the, the, the creatures hiding away in Eden Park have been discovered and something is coming to hunt them down. And the thing that comes to hunt them down does not care if people are involved. In fact, it wants people involved. And Why? Explain that to me. Well, there's a couple reasons, and it starts to get a little more complicated when you look into some of them. Some of them haven't been explained yet. But essentially, mm-hmm. when a fairy kills another fairy, it's punished um, by, by nature. Um, because nature in this world gives fairies various gifts whether it's fire gifts water gifts you know every fairy has some sort of abilities with nature and if another fairy kills that fairy that part of nature that was protecting that fairy turns on the fairy that wronged it so this enforcer that's come into take care of the fairy problem, fairies and monsters, um, doesn't want to become weaker by offing the fairies himself. So he decides he's going to find the best person he can in the small town of Green Glen, which is the town that is connected to the park, and use that person as his weapon and that's essentially what the story of autumn gray is autumn gray is what he calls his weapon a couple of things that have happened over the course of these first eight books now i would suggest that i'm and i'm going to take a jump here and i'm going to jump to the indiegogo indiegogo page and suggest that if you haven't seen the story, if you haven't read the story, if you don't understand what the hell it is we're talking about, you <laughs> jump on over to the Indiegogo page and you pick up the the one through eight, either uh, digital uh, set or the one through eight physical set for three reasons. Number one, because number eight, which uh, I will say is wonderful and the best of the set as it should be, uh, and works very well as a standalone, but works even better as number eight of the set. It's it's a slow build, like 
like I remember when I was giving you issue by issue to read um, back when I, back in the day, uh-huh. and I remember the first one, the issue one is very light. Yep. Um, it, it, it's like a girl and her imaginary friend kind of a story with a couple of creeping shadows here and there, you know. Yep. And then we start to open up the well, we start to venture down into the rabbit hole. Yeah, you, uh, you, you were very, I, I made a note here and I want to find the note. I'm very focused on pacing, which, which is kind of tough because a lot of times you want the big, a big, the big boom in the first issue in order to draw people in. And I did not do that with this series. I didn't want to reveal, and I still haven't revealed a lot of things that are going on i'm letting it i'm kind of i want the reader to fall into the story with the characters the story over the years has become much more sophisticated visually as well as mature in its storytelling issue by issue and that I think is what really makes it work. Well, I, in, I have I, in between each issue, I have done multiple other comics with other people. Um, so I, you know, like I didn't just do one and then just two. It was like one and then a couple of other things and then two and then a couple of things. So yeah, I've come a long way as a comic artist since issue one. But it's it's you can actually kind of watch me de- develop with the story as it goes. But it's but but it's more than that. It's more than that. It's it's much 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 more than that. And and it it's it's difficult to put into words things that are things that are visual. From my point of view, to say that someone's ability to tell a story has has matured significantly doesn't mean anything unless you can understand that the story itself is a mature story, okay? The story you began with eight issues ago is a very different story than where you are now. And by allowing that story to become, to slowly mature and develop rather than, oh God, I hate to say it this way. But, you know, slam, bang, crash, boom. Now we're here. Now watch. Here, look. Here, here's blood. Here's gore. Here's this. Here's that. And now, boom, we hit this. And now this is dead. And now, oh, look where we are. No. It moves in a logical, meaningful, smart, intelligent, sophisticated, mature progression and it says a lot about the way you've been 
the way your writing has changed over the years. And in the same way that your writing has changed, your art has matured at the same way. If you look at the way your panels were set up in issue number one, and you put them up against some of the stuff in issue number eight, there's a huge, huge, okay, uh, and I'm just going to let you take a very good look at page number 39 the very last pa- the very last page of issue number 8 it's absolutely exquisite i think that may be one of the finest pages you've ever done and the funny thing is that specific page like i was the most worried about that page cuz that's that's a big moment in the in the story there. You're damn right um, it is. It absolutely <laughs> is. And, and and it's kind of what eight books is kind of built up to that particular page. And I was so worried because I was introducing something new visually to that page. Yep. And I didn't want it to not fit. And I was worried that it wasn't going to fit. So when I, as soon as I finished it, I like I handed it to a couple of my couple of my uh, diehard fans that are always like chomping for the next issue to look at, and everybody was like, "That's it. That's exactly what it should be." That. So I'm I'm thrilled, and I'm I'm so excited to take what happens right there on that page and take it through the next two issues. To walk through the expressions in her face from the first panel through the second and the third and the fourth and just hold it at the fourth momentarily and then drop down to that fifth panel that large fifth panel which takes up the second half of that page is wonderful and shows such a depth of understanding of how that character what what happens with that character great job man thank you very absolutely much. great job and i think i don't know if that's how you meant it to be but wow that's it just <laughs> wow so if anyone listening is interested um right now i actually yeah. have issue eight as a Indiegogo campaign, um, so it, it's available if you if you go onto Indiegogo.com and type in Autumn Gray. I believe it is the only Autumn Gray campaign going on right now. It should pop right up for you. And guess what? They're not even going to have to do that. All they're going to have to do is click on the link right next to this podcast, and Perfect. it's going to bring them right to it. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> So why did you choose uh, when when there are so many so many so many books and and and, uh, and comics and other things over on that other crowd crowdsourcing uh, website to go with Indiegogo? Well, I mean, first of all, what happened was like a lot of people. Um, I, I I was officially out of work for a little bit of time 
and I welcome to the pandemic, my yes, friend. Yes, yes. And, and I decided I could take two of those weeks. I was far enough along in the comic. I broke it down day by day, and I'm like, if I'm diligent, in two weeks, this book can be done. So I sat myself down. I'd get up at my same real early in the morning, like 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, and I'd be drawing until 7, 8 o'clock at night for two weeks. I got it done, and then I'm like, well, great. So I have this brand new book. I'm really proud of it. I sent it out to people, got great reviews on it, and I can't share it with anybody because there's no conventions. Heck, there aren't even comic book shops open right now. So I was like, well, what am I going to do with this? Because I, I, I want to start working on nine, but I, I need eight to exist first, you know? So I was like, well, I guess um, I, I'll try crowdfunding. I've had bad luck in the past with crowdfunding. Um. Um, haven't we all yes so i was kind of dreading i was dreading the doom feeling and there are moment times in this campaign i've i've had a little bit of the doom but not the dome the doom i got you no, i'm with you on this. <laughs> okay. um but i was like you know what i need to get it out there there's people who want this there's people who don't have the whole series um it's a great way to to get it out there to people, um, to make it a little more fun than just posting, hey, I have this book for sale. Um, but I chose Indiegogo because it's essentially the book is already paid for. I mean, I'm the artist. I'm the writer. The only thing I don't do is print the book. So the only expense I actually have is printing the book. And it, so it, it wasn't so much I, was, I wasn't looking for money to pay for the book, I was more looking for fun ways for people to buy the book. So with something like Kickstarter, it's an all or nothing. And I don't need anything to make the book happen. So I'm like, well, why would I use a Kickstarter? Because if I don't reach whatever number I deem is the, the number, I'll end up with nothing, they'll get nothing, and it's just a wasted effort on my part. Um... Because then I'll just go right out to those same people and be like, "Hey, if you if you're still interested, you can just buy the book for me." Right. So, so then um, a friend of mine recommended Indiegogo. We had done a couple of um, card campaigns and stuff through Indiegogo. Went really well. He knew Indiegogo really well, so he was able to help me set up my uh, campaign and, and break down my perks and and releasing different specials at different times. And with Indiegogo, any pledge automatically goes to me and and no matter what i make on indiegogo you know it's happening the the, the goal and on indiegogo isn't isn't important as far as the goal is to sell as many books as you possibly yeah, can sell as many books not as to I can. reach a goal right right and and i had set you know, I'd set my, my goal number, and I actually reached it about a week ago, which was yes, very exciting. Congratulations, man! Thank you. Now I'm I'm heading I'm I'm now I'm, I'm you know heading up into the the bonus world. Um, I actually just revealed yesterday a variant cover that I did with Rusty Gilligan, uh, which is available only for uh, through the Indiegogo campaign. I'm only going to print exactly as many as I need for Indiegogo. There will be no other copies. 
So it's a very exclusive cover. Um, you can check it out on Facebook. You can even see it on the Indiegogo link. I don't know if you've seen it, Dome. I have. It's very pretty. Yeah, it's it actually is. it's a it's a map. So if you laid it all flat, it's a map of Eden Park and where everything's everything happens in the park. Um, and I, I always loved having maps and books when I was a kid. So I'm like, oh, it needs a map. We need to do a map. <laughs> But that, that's why I decided to go with Indiegogo, because I, I wouldn't be trying to reach a goal or get nothing. And I had a friend that was well-versed in Indiegogo that was able to help me set up all my reward tiers. Um, and and I, I like every four days, I release a new surprise. Like, like this is something you could get for the next four days if you, if you order books, you know, and then... After four days, something new pops up. So it, it's kind of fun, and, and I, every once in a while I get like a, a little spike in more sales, which is always nice. Um, but I'm just glad that like the the fans are finding are finding it. So I feel like the people who really want the next issue are getting the next issue, even though there aren't any conventions to get it at right now. Well, speaking of that, and let's take a moment. And 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 hold our breath and pray for the rest, and speak of that. That it, as conventions are becoming canceled, there is one convention that has not been canceled. That has not been canceled yet, <laughs> and that is the Upper Valley Comic Expo in in West Lebanon, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And my uh, my understanding is. That you are going to be there. My understanding is the same. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, that, that you have been invited to be there. And uh, that you are uh, one of our one of our one of our great guests there. One of our amazingly wonderful guests. Uh, along with uh, some wonderful authors and friends. Of the show, and you are in fact doing a special uh, something special just for the Upper Valley Comic Con. I am, uh, yes, yep. Can, can we talk about that? Do you think we can talk about that if you'd like? I would love to talk about that. Okay. Yeah, so I'm doing an original piece um, for the comic event. Um, I I'm going to design a dragon. I do a series of fantasy paintings of dragons. They've kind of become a staple of Comic-Cons for me. I, the new ones always get hung up behind me, and I sell prints of, of the older ones. Um, I usually sell one or two at every show of the original paintings. They, they go like hotcakes, but I'm going to design one specifically for this show. And the painting will be available through the... Is it going to be an auction, or is it a raffle? How, how are we... Oh, we are we are doing a silent auction for the Children's Hospital at Dartmouth. Awesome. And uh, the original, I guess, I, we are hoping is going to go into that silent auction. That's what I and and then I will also have prints available, uh, or more specifically, Dome will have prints available of 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 the dragon. Uh, I don't know if you guys are doing VIP packets or or if you guys are just going to. 
you know, ha- maybe have them at the table and they can bring them over and I'll sign them for them. It'll be a good time. Uh, for those of us who are hoping that this is going to happen, that COVID is going to allow this to happen, the Upper Valley Comic Expo will be at the Fireside Inn and Suites in West Lebanon, New Hampshire, uh, October 10th from 10 a.m. to 6 to 5 p.m. Uh, and uh, Jay is one of the people that uh, actually you're one of the few people we have a lot announced as being there and we have a ton of freaking surprises should we be able to pull this off well well, the Uh, amazing thing is they didn't cancel it when you announced me i mean uh actually who was the first person that i called yeah i was the first person that you called (laughs) yeah and i said jay i'm thinking of doing this are you interested and i said uh, when is it? Let me put it in my schedule and let's do it. Uh, yeah, I was calling from my car and I called you at your work site. Yes. <laughs> so I was actually, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jay, as always, you've been a good friend and uh, uh, you're a wonderful artist, a fun writer, and uh, always great to have around uh, Eden Park tales has always been fun your growth over the years that i've known you and worked with you has just been uh phenomenal to watch and uh you've been a great friend uh, of the show and a a great friend in general and can't thank you enough for being here and uh i hope to see you before October 11th, but yeah, I definitely maybe. want to see you then. Yes. Um, maybe things will open up. Maybe we can go sit outside at a table somewhere and have a, a nice lunch or something. And, you know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> we will definitely figure it out. Our guest has been the incomparable Jay Morse. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. And. Unless it's night, have a great day. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Con, Plastic City Comic Con, and the Upper Valley Comic Expo. We are also sponsored by Dreamforge Magazine, a superb magazine of fantasy and science fiction, and Comic Art House. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. And if you're looking for a really great gift book for that rapidly approaching semi-annual Fairbanks Melt Day celebration, consider a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. My Peculiar Family, the audiobook, is available on Audible, because I'm not sure where else you can find it. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts, For more of his amazing stuff, just look at robwattsonline.com. And don't forget to try the Watt sauce. We have, we love it. Our outro was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. You can find Lawrence Made Me Cry's music on Bandcamp. And a whole lot of love to Jojo and Celine. Many thanks to the gang from his booking books. Thank you, Captain Cam. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie shared pain as lessons, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. 
Better things are coming, Stacy. Stay strong, Liz. So, unless it's daytime. Good night, everybody. This is my brother, Yako.